This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome back to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Matthew chapter 21 and we're getting closer and closer uh, to the cross, to the burial, and to that empty tomb, the resurrection. And we're and by calendar wise, today's Friday when I'm recording this. Next Friday uh, will be Good Friday. Um, but I don't think we're going to be able to. We won't ever get to the end of Matthew by by then. Um, so that's disappointing. But hey, we'll get through it. Jesus has entered Jerusalem. The people are cheering him on as he arrives. He's riding on this donkey, the colt of a donkey, to show that he comes in peace. The people are pulling off their clothes. They're cutting down palm branches and they're throwing them on the ground for the donkey to walk on. Jesus goes straight to the temple. He cleanses the temple because the people were selling sacrifices and and have turned uh, the temple into a convenience store and uh, a money-making scheme. And so Jesus runs those people out who are selling these animals for a profit. And then he takes time there in the temple to heal those who come to him that were lame and blind. And then he takes some children and he blesses them. And he goes, he has a conversation with the, the religious uh, leaders who are rejecting him and telling him, Man, who are you, dude? You, you, there's no way you're the Messiah. So they're continuing to reject Jesus. By Friday, they're going to have him crucified. And so the evening has come along and Jesus goes back to Bethany to hang out with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, the one that he raised from dead. And now we come to day two, and Jesus and his disciples, they leave the house of Lazarus, and they come back into Jerusalem from Bethany. And Matthew writes that Jesus is hungry. Well, you know, just to show you that Jesus was human, what do humans do when they get hungry? They look for something to eat, and Jesus was hungry. And so what did he do? He looked for something to eat he sees a fig tree but he goes up to the fig tree and it hasn't produced any figs yet and jesus curses the tree why because he's hungry and there's nothing to eat and so he curses the fig tree and it immediately it dries up and it withers uh, not not over time he didn't spray no weed killer on it no he cursed the fig tree and he said it out loud so the disciples those 12 disciples would hear him curse this fig tree that did not produce any figs so that he could get something to eat. Now I know there's a lot of people who make spiritual applications to this event, but I'm not going to get into all that. I think it's a simple case of Jesus being hungry and that the fig tree was useless. And Jesus curses this fig tree and it withers, which again shows the disciples that Jesus has power over nature. I mean, if you think about it, he he could have produced figs on that tree immediately, but he didn't do that. He uses this opportunity to remind his disciples of his power over nature, just like when the winds and the waves obeyed him and the disciples were freaking out over that because they'd been rowing for hours in this storm 
Jesus comes up walking on the water and he tells the 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 winds and the waves to calm down. They're like, well, who is this that can you know that even the winds and the waves obey him? And in Matthew says in verse twenty of twenty uh, chapter twenty one, he says the disciples were amazed when they saw this and they asked, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? And Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt. You can do things like this and much more. In other words, this ain't nothing, boys. You can do a whole lot better than this if you have faith and don't doubt. And you can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. And you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. Now, this would be a great lesson for these 12 disciples because it's not going to be long before they're going to, you know, because Jesus is about to die. They don't realize this, even though he's told them many times, but he's about to die. And after he dies 40 days later, he's going to be gone. He's going to send back up to heaven and sit at the father's right hand. They're going to be left on their own until the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of them. The father and, and the son Jesus lives inside of them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they're going to be taking over the kingdom. And, and you know, remember, they have a misconception of the mission of the Messiah. And so they're going to be freaked out. They're going to be scared of death. And we're going to see all this when we, when we see Jesus dying on the cross and, and after the resurrection and, and, and the ascension. They're, they're freaking out. And so they're going to need all the faith that they could possibly, possibly muster up since they're going to be taken over when Jesus is gone. Now, I've already just discussed having faith and not mixing doubt. Um, so I'm not going to really get back into that in this podcast because uh, you can go back and listen to the previous podcast and catch that. Um, but I'll just briefly uh, mention James chapter 1, which says if we mix faith and doubt, don't expect any answer from God. Well, actually I have another thought. This is the second time that Jesus has told his disciples that they can move mountains if they have faith. And we've studied the book of Acts on this podcast in detail. You can go back and listen to that study. It's, in my opinion, it's very good. Um, the disciples, throughout the book of Acts, when they took over, after Jesus had ascended back to heaven, he sent the Father's right hand, the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2, we see the disciples have plenty of faith. In fact, it was so impressive the, the, the religious leaders are like, these are unlearned and ignorant men. How are they doing this? They were scratching their heads because they knew that they, these people weren't trained in the Bible or the Old Testament. They weren't trained in the law. And, and how are they working miracles? And, and how is this movement growing so fast and so strong? It's because they had plenty of faith. And they worked all kinds of miracles. But... Unless I'm mistaken, and I and I don't remember it, but not one time did the disciples speak to a mountain and move it. So what did Jesus mean when he says that if you uh, you you can uh, what what did he say? Let me back up a little bit. You can say to this mountain, and there's mountains all around where they're at. May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. It's going to happen. And you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. Not one time did the disciples pick up a mountain and throw it into the sea. 
I've lived in I live in the mountains now, mountains all around me. Not one time have I ever seen anybody pray. And I know all kinds of people, including myself, that have a lot of faith. But not one time have they picked up a mountain and chunked it into the sea or a pond or a creek or anything. Not even a little rock. Not even, you know, a piece of gravel from the driveway. So what did Jesus mean when, when he when he was talking about this? Because the disciples, they have plenty of faith and that they're working all kinds of miracles. And so what what Jesus is reminding his disciples and he's reminding us as well that if we put our faith in God and fully trust in him nothing absolutely nothing will be impossible for him to do i mean over and over again Jesus would tell his disciples for you know with man it seems impossible but for God nothing is impossible and he would say stuff like, all things are possible with God. And see, it, it, Jesus never wavered. Never wavered. He knew. He was God in the flesh. He knew what the, the Father could do. He knew the power of God. We don't. We, we don't understand that. We're like the disciples. They lived with Jesus every day for three to three and a half years. They saw all these miracles that he, that he did and up until the day he died on the cross, they didn't get it. Even though they could work miracles themselves, they, they, they still would doubt. And, and God's word makes it clear. If, if, if we have faith mixed with doubt, don't expect anything from God. It, it just reminds me of that, um, that man when the disciples couldn't cast the demon out of his son. And, and Jesus had to take care of it. Jesus kind of chastises his disciples. But when Jesus asked that father if he believed that he could do that miracle and cast that demon out of his son, he says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus, even though the man just admitted that he had doubt, Jesus did it anyway. And that's the grace of God. Because, you know, hey, there's all kinds of things that go on in our lives. And, 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 and we pray with faith, but so many times when we do pray with faith, it's kind of like we had this thought, but God, you know, if you decide not to, and we, we kind of give God an out as if he needs one. Lord, if it's your will, we know what his will is. It, it, he tells us what his will is right here in his word. So why do we doubt? Because we're human. We're human. We're just like the disciples. And that's why Jesus would chastise them over and over again. Oh, you of little faith. I mean, they, think about it. They had the power to work miracles. They could cast out demons. And they still struggled with faith. All we have, which is great. And I don't mean that in a bad way. But all we have is the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, Yes. And we have the word of God, yes. And yet, do we trust what God says? Do we trust that God's going to take care of our situation that we're facing, that we're praying for? Do we trust that God is going to heal our bodies when we're sick? Do we, do we trust or do we mix that trust and that faith with doubt? And James makes it clear, you can't do that. Jesus makes it clear, you can't do that. You've got to have faith. You've got to fully 
trust God. And beloved, it, it, it's hard. I mean, let's just speak the truth here. It's very hard, but we got to do it. We got to put our faith and our trust in God. So Jesus returns to the temple again, and this is on the second day, and he starts teaching, but he's quickly interrupted by the religious authorities, and they want to know by what authority Jesus is doing all this stuff, and uh, and you know he he's 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 healing people. He's teaching it at the temple. He's turning tables uh, and, and chasing people out who are selling uh, these sacrifices, their animals for the sacrifices. And they want to know by what authority. I mean, who do you think you are, big fellow? Who are you to be doing this kind of stuff? We've been doing this for a long time. And you're just going to come up here, some dude out of Nazareth, claiming to be the messiah you don't look nothing like no messiah you dress like an ordinary dude you say you know you're supposed to be a man of, of uh power and authority because you're supposed to, the messiah is going to be ruling and reigning on the throne of david you don't even own a home you know so who are you what by what authority are you doing this stuff and jesus says this i'll tell you by what authority i do these things if you answer one question did john's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? And so the religious leaders, they talk it over uh, among themselves. And, and they said, hey, if we say it's from heaven, then this guy's going to ask us, why didn't we believe John? But if we say it was merely human, we'll, we'll be mobbed because the people believed John. Well, they believed that John was a prophet. And, and so these religious leaders, they look at Jesus and they say, we don't know. What a response, right? What a way to wimp out. We don't know. And Jesus responds to them. Then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. It's, it's, it's like Jesus knew what they were saying in their little huddle over here to the side. They don't know that. But Jesus knows everything that they're talking about. He knew they wasn't going to give him an answer. And they try to cop out. We don't know. Jesus says, well, I'm not going to tell you by what authority I do these things. But they're not going to listen if he did tell them. Because they don't believe it. Because he's tried to tell them over and over again. And they keep rejecting him. And said that he has a demon. Uh, but Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, but what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, No, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. And then the father told the other son, You go. And he said, Yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? And the religious leaders, they replied to Jesus, The first and Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. So you mean, when John was out there baptizing in the river Jordan, and crowds upon crowds came to John to be baptized by John, you know who was in that crowd? Jesus tells us right here. Tax collectors who was notorious sinners, the worst of sinners is what they were uh, 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 labeled as by these religious leaders. People in that crowd were tax collectors and prostitutes. That's who's going to heaven. When you've got these religious leaders who know the law like the back of their hand, they can quote scripture after scripture after scripture, but yet they don't know anything about God. Their heart is far from God, and they are rejecting God to his face. And by the end of the week, they're going to have God in the flesh crucified. And they think they've gotten rid 
of this Jesus fellow who claims to be the Messiah. Jesus says, these prostitutes and these tax collectors, they listened to John, but you wouldn't. He says, and even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe John and repent of your sins. And that's when, you remember, John said, what are you doing coming out here, you, you brood of vipers? It was a pretty rough uh, moment there when John spoke those words to the, the religious people. That would be a, 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 a big insult to those people. Um, and John was right. They, they rejected the message. And for three to three and a half years, they continued to reject the message. They, were, they continued to reject Jesus. And so here's Jesus. He, again, sparring is what I've been using in these podcasts. He's sparring with these religious leaders as they're sparring with him, trying to catch him and trip him up and, and to show people that he's not the Messiah. Jesus, once again, just puts them in their place. And he, it, it's like he literally just smacks them in the face. It's like a booyah moment for Jesus, if you will, a mic drop moment. But he's not finished with them yet. He's going to tell them yet another story to end this chapter. And this is what Matthew writes that Jesus says to these religious leaders. Now listen to another story. A certain landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tent farmers, tenant farmers and moved to another country. And at that time of the grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed his servants and beat one, killed one, and stoned another. And so the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him, but the results were the same. They killed them all. And finally, the owner sent his son, thinking, surely they will respect my son. But when the tenant farmers saw his son coming, they said to one another, here comes the heir to the estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him, dragged him out of the vineyard, and murdered him. When the owner of the vineyard returns, Jesus asked, What do you think he will do to those farmers? And the religious leaders replied, He will put the wicked man to a horrible death and lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop after each harvest. And Jesus asked them, Didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone? This is the Lord's doing, and it will it is wonderful to see that comes from Psalm 118, 22 and 23. Jesus continues to say, He says, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. Talking about Gentiles. Anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone who falls on it. And when the leading priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they realized that Jesus was telling the story against them because they were the wicked farmers. And they wanted to arrest while they're hot. They're mad. But they were afraid of the crowds who considered Jesus to be a prophet. These religious leaders heard these stories from Jesus. And they knew that Jesus was talking about them. <laughs> And here's the sad thing. It didn't faze them one bit. In fact, it made them so mad they wanted to arrest Jesus on the spot. But because of the crowds, they didn't do it. The crowd, remember now what Jesus said, they're full of prostitutes and tax collectors. People who Jesus 
has spent time with and healed. Literally a bunch of misfits, if you will. This crowd would come to his defense in a split second if these religious leaders were to, to have tried to arrest him that day. They just marched him into town and sang his praises. And in my opinion, this is why in just a few days on that Thursday night, night, mind you, in the darkness, they would do their dirty work when everybody is in bed in their home, snuggled in, and wouldn't know what was going on. The disciples absolutely have no idea what's coming in just a few days. But we do because we have the whole story. We have it from beginning to end. And we know what happens to Jesus. We know what the disciples don't know. That Jesus is about to die a horrible death. And be put in a tomb for three days and be resurrected. Here's my question as we end today's podcast. Are you going to be like the religious leaders and continue to reject Jesus? Or are you going to be like the misfits, the prostitutes, and the tax collectors in the crowd and follow Jesus? Hey, it's your choice, but you got to live with the consequences of that choice. And I hope today that you choose Jesus and that you begin your walk with Jesus today. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast. Thank you for sharing the Grinded Podcast with your friends and your family. Because when you share this podcast, you're sharing Jesus and giving people the opportunity to know them, to know Jesus, and to follow Jesus. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grinded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.